Okay. Um, good evening. Today is February 28th, and we are studying the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. This week's chapter is the relationship chapters. And we have three wonderful speakers. Our first speaker is going to be Lindsay P. And then Amy L. And Catherine A. Welcome, Lindsay P. Hi, I'm Lindsay P. I was doing Berenstein Bears homework. So that is the perfect intro to the family afterwards. <laughs> because in the past, I would have been... Uh, binging and exhausted and my husband would have to be doing the homework with my seven-year-old so there we go <laughs> that's multitasking and recovery um so i i'm honored to talk and what a surprise um huh. well the addiction for me was not only so unbelievably damaging for myself but for my family. And um, when I first had my daughter seven years ago, I just said to myself, like, this is finally a time where I can show her the example for food that I never had, which is a healthy relationship with food, like not using it as a reward and a punishment, not hating my body. And I was so excited for this. Like it was, I was going to break the mold and I was going to like be that uh, person who finally could end that cycle, that vicious cycle, being that, you know, my mom and grandma had this disease and, and definitely imparted it on me. So, um, of course, human aid solutions just wasn't possible. Um, I was able to grin and bear it for a few months. I got down to a healthy weight and I just went back to the food. And as much as I would do anything for my daughter, I could not put the food down. And um, there was just so much repercussions. I was gaining weight rapidly. I was struggling with morbid obesity. I was having so many, um, so many issues. But prior to that, when I did get down to the weight that I wanted to, you know, those, that first little bit after she was born where I was really just white knuckling it, um, I needed something because I have an addictive mind. Like I have an ism, right? And I have an addictive mind. And if the food is down, I have no way to regulate my emotions and numb. So I needed to search for something else. And um, this addiction is just so unbelievably pervasive that I ended up being able to rationalize a three-year affair with a married man. Um, when I had a newborn baby with a husband. So that is just how far this addiction went for me because I was so desperate to numb the pain and to just um, escape reality. And so coming into program and having to make amends, boy, that was a real fun amends, let me tell you, um, you know, having to face my husband who did know about it and did find out about it was exactly what the family afterwards talks about. Um, and the 12th step working with others discusses just about um, sweeping our side of the street. And 
once I got some recovery and I was feeling good and I was becoming so honest, I just felt like, well, now I'm like amazing. So my husband should forgive me. Right. And all should be great. And we should just like walk in happy destiny, but it, it just doesn't work like that. And that's what I was actually just reading last night in the big book and working with others that, um, you know, it takes time. And the only thing I can do is focus on my own behaviors and, you know, not only make an amends, but make a living amends. And so, um, you know, now I am just sweeping my side of the street and not looking for fault in anyone else and, and just trying to repair my own family. Um, and that means not only making the amends, but being helpful, honoring others' emotions, not making myself the center of attention, um, having ideals and expectations for myself and uh, living and let living. Um, and so it's, you know, I always functioned as like the baby and I was the baby of the family. Like as much as I wanted to believe I was very selfless and I was very um, serving to my family, I rationalized that and I was really controlling and I always knew how to get my way. And um, I'm learning that self will definitely run riot. And, um, you know, as it says in the big book, I'm no longer my own employer or anyone else's. I am now, God is now my new employer. So before I respond, you know, between every uh, stimulus and response, there's that space. And before I respond to my daughter or my husband, I take a deep breath and I um, lean into God and I say, is this, I think to myself, is this kind? Is this helpful? Is this how I would want someone to talk to me? And truthfully, there are so many times that, I would love to just, you know, lose it, <laughs> but, um, or just say something. And if I take those few moments and I turn to God, it comes out in such a nicer, calmer way. And, um, you can say what you mean without saying it mean all the time. And if I'm mean or I'm, um, short or I'm curt, that's really just a reflection on me. I'm learning. It's not a reflection on how anyone else treated me. Um, and I'm here to serve an example for my daughter, so as far as just working this program, I, I was so good at finding fault in others. And I was so good at working everyone else's program. I mean, I could work everyone else's program, tell everyone else what they were doing wrong. But the truth is, I need to work my own program constantly. And I am a spiritual being having a human experience. So I've learned I'm going to be human and I'm going to make mistakes and I'm going to snap at my husband or be frustrated with him because I'm human. But that's part of the 12 steps. That's why we have a 10th step. I get to actually spot check myself, do a 10th step, make an amends learn from it and move on. And that's the beauty of the 12 steps. Um, I don't need to be perfect because I already tried and it didn't work. Um, I don't need to be infallible. I just need to be honest, <laughs> honest and willing. Um, and if I'm not happy with something, I can think about it. I can pray to God about it. I can invite my higher power in for direction. I don't need to white knuckle um, my life anymore. I don't need to control other people. I can just focus on how God would want me to behave. And everything else just sort of falls into place. And um, and the awesome thing about having some recovery is 
the food thoughts are lower and I'm not managing what everyone else is eating. You know, what's allowed in the house, what's not allowed in the house, like everyone could just be. <laughs> and I don't need to be in control of that. And that only happened once I finished really the, at least the first nine or 10 steps that that those food thoughts went down and I wasn't, um, you know, they weren't calling my name. And that's just one level of control I can let go of. Uh, yes. That's seven minutes. So sorry. Awesome. Thank you. I was wait. I was like, is it time yet? <laughs> so, but then I said, I'm not going to control. So thank you very much. And with that, I'll pass. Thanks for letting me talk. <laughs> Thanks, Lindsay. And um, Amy L, you're up. Hi, everyone. I'm Amy L in California. Grateful compulsive eater. Grateful to be here. Thank you so much, Lindsay. That was great. I really appreciated it. And thank you everyone doing service. So I will share on the family afterward also because that is the chapter that most resonates for me. Um, and I, I think of, you know, like when we when we finish the 12 step and it, you know, we, we are about to practice these principles in all our affairs, you know, we, we, we give our families often the best of us and the worst of us. I know I did. And um, it's to me, it starts in my family. If I cannot practice these principles in my family, I suspect I'm not really um, up for, I don't know. I, I feel it's very meaningful. If, if I can't practice it with people I love so much, and so I want to share that when when I, I came into away decades ago and I left, but I came back because I had a baby in my 40s, my first child. And I remember seeing her watch me. She was a baby. She was like maybe 14 months. She was watching mama binging. I was eating from a big bag of some chip, salty, snacky thing. And she was staring at me. And in that moment, I saw, oh my God, like I'm, I got, you know, my mom had this disease. Her mom had this disease. Here's my little girl. And, you know, children learn by how we are, not what we say. You know, and I had this, you know, this, I just got goosebumps and I said, I'm going back to OA. So, so it came to me again for, I think that was a God shot that, that I, I didn't want to pass down this legacy, but when I, what I missed back then, and I, I wasn't that young, I was in my forties, but I just, you know, worked the steps and I, I lost the weight and I did not really understand what it meant to practice these principles. And I did not understand emotional sobriety at all, which is really what this, I think, and many say, this program is about, you know, being sober emotionally. The food is just the beginning. So I just wanted to share a couple things about my experience, like the family afterward. Um, you know, in the beginning, it talks about um, perhaps uh, from reading in the chapter to the wives, the wives have created the impression that he, the alcoholic, so me, the addict, has to be wrapped in cotton wool and placed on a pedestal. 
successful readjustment means the opposite. And I relate to that because I prided myself on my sensitivity. I did. Um, I was convinced that made me in some way, like made me better. I just saw things that other people didn't see and I had strong feelings about them. And there's also a line in this chapter where it says, um, we alcoholics are sensitive people. It takes some of us a long time to outgrow that serious handicap. And boy, did it take me a long time. And so I had to learn um, from, you know, I relapsed, I worked the steps again, I relapsed, I worked the steps again. And I'm still learning in this round of recovery that my sensitivity is, is you know, sensitivity can be beautiful. You know, I love my, my emotions. I love that I care, I feel things strongly, but it is definitely a liability. And how it showed up in my family afterwards was I would react, especially to my daughter and my husband, and I would hold them responsible for my reactions. And, and I did not know how to own responsibility. So I don't know how I missed that working the steps because we, you know, we learned that in the fourth step that we have a part in everything. When I am distressed, there is something in me that I need to look at. But I missed this in my family. And I, I felt so triggered by my daughter, had a rage, she had a temper, and I would get so triggered because my mother was a rager. And, and, you know, my daughter didn't need that burden. She didn't need me, like, giving her that power. So I had to learn that way, that the hard way. It's taken me a, a long time. And with my husband, too. He's not my higher power. I cannot hold him. He would cock an eyebrow, and I would feel attacked. That's me. So I had to learn that. I am responsible for my reactions. I'm responsible for my sensitivity and where I go with interpreting people I love's behavior. And so I love um, at the end, you know, the big book has a lot of these uh, simple sayings and I used to kind of make fun of them in my youth, but now I really love them. It says, first things first, live and let live, easy does it. First things first, to me, that means I look inside. When I hear my voice get big, my speech is more pressured when I feel my body get activated. Okay, Amy, what's going on? And take a pause and a breath. You know, maybe I need a quick prayer, but that's where I'm most vulnerable to my sensitivity. So first things first, I attend to what's going on in me. I don't project it out and make others responsible or try very hard not to live and let live. You know, I, I don't have to do their inventory. I did that for a long time. That's not my role as a mother, as a wife. And people don't have to react and feel the same way I do. I used to need a lot of mirroring from people. I don't need that. 
the way I used to. And I'm grateful for that. And easy does it. I love that because me, the, the telltale sign of me being in Amy's will, my will, is that I'm bulldozing. I am efforting. I feel it energetically and it comes out in my mouth. And the easy does it. It's like, no, no need. That's my will. And that will never bring peace and love and comfort the way God does, the way me, when I'm joining with my higher power, when I'm practicing these principles. That's a different way. That doesn't feel like efforting. It doesn't feel like bulldozing. And I don't have to be right. That's not what matters. There's when what is right, right? What is right? Do I know what's right? Amy, so that's everything. That's what I'll share. Thank you. Thanks, everyone. Thank you so much, Amy L. Um, Catherine, I think you are up next. Catherine A. Hi, there we go. Okay. Hi, everyone. I'm Catherine A, Recovered Compulsive Overeater. Uh, thank you for inviting me to share. I think um, the relationship chapters are so, uh, there's so much to them. You know, I'm flipping through and trying to figure out like what I could share on them. There are just so many, so many different areas. Um, you know, I'll, I'll just briefly qualify that I, um, I came in to the program actually. Uh, just noticing it was two years ago today, um, February 28th, um, 2022. And um, my abstinence date is in, in May of 2022. So um, not yet two years on that. And um, yeah, recovered for just over a year and a half. And I came in to the rooms because I had had enough. I was sick and tired of the constant cycle of restricting and then binging and then beating myself up for binging and restricting harder and you know this time and it was just a fight and I couldn't see a way out of the compulsions it was either either I was fighting with all of my might to restrict and control and my life was being controlled by the compulsions or I was letting it go and just giving in to the compulsions and my life was still being controlled by the compulsions and I couldn't see a way out. Uh, and so I decided that I, I needed something different and I put my trust in this program in, in the 12 steps because I had seen it work for others and I'm, I'm so glad that they did. I think the other piece that came along with all of that, that cycling with the food was my constant anxiety and um, increasing anxiety over, over time. As, as my disease got worse, my anxiety was getting worse. I didn't recognize the correlation between them, but I know now that what I was doing was treating myself as a higher power. I was supposed to be the higher power. I was supposed to have the answers to everything. I was supposed to be able to control my food. I was supposed to be able to control the people around me, the, everything that happened. And I couldn't. 
And I knew that I couldn't, but I still thought I was supposed to. And that was really, really painful. And so coming into the program, you know, one of the, one of the things that it says in, um, in the relationship chapters is that putting down the food, putting down the drink is just the first, the first step. It's not like cessation of drinking is but the first step away from a highly strained and abnormal condition. Putting down the food was absolutely essential, but that on its own wouldn't have been sufficient to get relief from all of the other pieces. And what I read in the relationship chapters is a lot about letting go and recognizing where, where I am separate from the people around me um you know that's definitely definitely my family definitely my friends and my um my co-workers uh but also now in recovery it extends to my sponsees as well and my and just my fellows who i i talk to i can get very uh emotionally involved with with my sponsees i get i get to know them i want I want the best for them. And with my history of seeing myself as a higher power, my way of trying to care for others often ends up coming out in uh, wanting to control what they do or wishing they would just be more like me. If they would just act more like me, then their life would be perfect. They should just follow my script. Um, and I think what what I see throughout the relationship chapters, but you know, I, I've got a lot of, of highlights in to, to employers about the relationship with sponsees and how, you know, they are, they are not me and their success. It, it's about their journey. You know, I, my journey was not determined by my sponsor my journey was not like I didn't become recovered because of my sponsor and my sponsor didn't say always the perfect things at all the right times and I don't say the perfect things at all the right times um, to put that on anybody is is too much when when I look at the advice in into employers, you know, and and to wives as well, you know, it talks about being able to to take a look at where is that other person on their journey and to be there to support them, but also to be able to say, like, even if you're not okay right now, I'm I can still be okay. And and I think that 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 goes for my really everybody in my life as well to be able to say like and the world doesn't need to follow my script in order for me to be okay because I've got my higher power and I will be supported even if things don't seem to be going the way that I that I want them to be um you know it's I'm just looking and seeing the, the places that I have highlighted, but 
you know, one, one of the things that, um, that was so true for me, and I think bears reminding about sponsees too, is physical treatment is but a small part of the picture. He should understand that he must undergo a change of heart. And that's so often when I'm talking to, um, to sponsees about what it, what it takes to, to work the steps. And I'm thinking about my own experience. So much of it is hard to explain. It's hard to put it into words because that, that experience of surrender that, that I had um, and that desperation that brought me into the rooms, that's not something that I could have created in myself. Um, Catherine, that's seven. All right, thanks. Um, so yeah, bringing it down from the head and into the heart is basically what, what I always try to communicate and it's, it's so hard. Um, but thanks for letting me share tonight, I'll pass. Awesome, thank you all speakers. Uh, let's see here, we will now open the meeting for questions or for three minute shares. As this is a big book study, sharing in questions should relate specifically to the chapter and step being studied this week. We ask you to accept this guideline in order to keep the meeting on track. If you'd like to share or ask a question, please raise your virtual hand, which is under reactions or star nine if you're on the phone. I will call the raised hands in order and the Zoom host will ask you to unmute when it's your turn. Would the timekeeper, Angela, please set a timer for three minutes for each share and announce when time is up. If the speaker is asked a question, please allow three minutes for the answer. Um, at 8.47, we will stop the recording. Lisa P. Hey, Lisa, compulsive overeater. 100 pounder multiple times because I kept leaving and now I abstain from leaving. Um, it's so cool, you know, this meeting has three speakers a week normally, you know, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday on the same topic. And tonight we got three speakers in one night on the same topic. So what a bonus. Um, you know, it's funny, uh, you know, we hear such different stuff with Zoom because there's people from all over the world, you know, and I didn't know these as the relationship chapters. I also didn't know them as the forgotten chapters. I heard that on Zoom also because, um, you know, they were never forgotten for me. Like I went, I went through all of them, you know, um, but um, this time doing the steps, they were the forgotten chapters really, you know? And so um, luckily I didn't forget them the first time around, but anyway, um, you know, it's funny. They're, they're all relationship chapters. It's all relationship steps. You know, um, the first step is my relationship with food. It's the only one that mentions food. You know, it's the only one we have to do perfectly. Uh, they say, we, you know, we can never do two through 12 perfectly. So, uh, but, but one, we got to do perfectly, which is why they say, you know, when we relapse, you got to go back to one, miss something there about the powerlessness, you know? So, you know, the first one's my relationship with food, two and three, we know who that's a relationship with, with, with four, oh my gosh, we know who those are, you know, who we're hitting on those. Um, five, boy, relationship with myself and, and my sponsor, my God, God, myself and other human beings, which are you guys. Um, you know, six and seven, it's all about relationships. My character defects. Listen, if no one else was on this planet, do you think my character defects would be a problem? No. <laughs> and then, um, you know, 
it just eight and nine, hello, major, major relationship steps, you know? And so it's funny um, hearing that these are the relationship chapters. They're all relationship chapters. They're all relationship steps. Um, I remember hearing a recording about something about what's the part of the, something about the spiritual part of the program. And the guy gets on and he goes, the whole damn program is spiritual. <laughs> and that's how I feel about this. The whole damn book and the whole damn steps and all of the, all the chapters our relationship chapter. So I'm really glad that I got to hear this. It's a bonus tonight. Thank you. <laughs> I like that. A bonus Wednesday. Um, Amy L, you are up. Did you say Ann L? I'm not Amy. I know. I can't see very well right now. Oh, that's okay. That's <laughs> I just want to make sure I wasn't going to talk over someone else. So that's why I asked. Um, I came late and what I heard Catherine, and I'm, I have to ask you a question, Catherine. Um, and I have to just share a little bit of where I am at and what I heard, what I think I heard you say was that I, as I recovered, got very close to being recovered, I started having these anxiety episodes. And, um, and then I got recovered, they continued, it seems like they evolved. And what I think I heard you say, this is my question is, did you say that for you, they were related to your emotional dependence on other people or was it something else? So for me, um, my, I wouldn't claim to know the full source of, of all my anxieties, but I, I would say that um, most of my anxieties had come up because I was feeling like I was supposed to have all of the answers that I was supposed to be able to control things that were uncontrollable, you know, life circumstances, other people, um, and being unable to get past the idea that that was, um, that that was something that I was supposed to be able to control. Uh, and it wasn't until working the steps and actually sitting with those anxieties and being able to hand them, hand them over to my higher power to ask for help that I was even able to see that that was the case because I, I just, I couldn't see outside of the anxiety for a really long time. Well, you know, and I, I still have them, but infrequently they're, um, I call them minis now where they only last for like two minutes or something, but I had an extreme large amount of anxiety with situations with where I was at sometimes or with the people that were there in the room. Um, um, so I, I just, you know, I, I really related to what you said about that because I feel like it's kind of the same thing. Um, at least that's how I'm hearing what you said. And um, I never knew that till you said that tonight. I always thought they were just, I don't know, whatever they were, you know, but 
but um, so for me, that's a new uh, new information. I'm I'm gonna really um, tuck that away and and have time to um, think about that a while and maybe do some writing. Thank you for for sharing that, Catherine. That's all I have. Thank you. Okay, thank you, Anne. We will now stop the recording for unrecorded questions or shares with the Zoom host. Please stop the recording.